Take your Bible, everybody. Turn with me today to the book of Mark, chapter 6. We're continuing in our series that we're calling Just Jesus. I have a confession to make this morning. I am still desperately in love with Jesus Christ. (laughs) I love Jesus more today than I've ever loved him in my life. And I want to tell you something. When you love someone, you just can't get enough of them. And I still, after all these years, love reading about Jesus, talking about Jesus, preaching about Jesus, singing about Jesus. I just love everything about Jesus. And today, I want to learn a little more about my wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I'm in the right crowd this morning. How many of you feel the same way about Jesus? Would you raise your hand? Yes. And that's what this study is about. I just want to get to know him more. I just just want to uh, get to know more about his nature, about his character, about his heart about the way he operates, about the way he thinks, about everything about my Lord Jesus Christ. And today, we're going to focus on one of the great miracles in the New Testament. And this particular miracle, the feeding, they call it the feeding of the 5,000. There are better names for it. I'll tell you why in a minute. But they call this miracle the feeding of the 5,000. There are actually two miracles like this that Jesus did. Uh, The other one, Uh, where it says he fed around 4,000 is a few chapters later in the book of Mark, and you read about this. But this is the first one, and it has significance because of uh, several different things that I want to point out to you today. But I believe the Lord wants to show us something in this great miracle that we call the miracle of feeding the 5,000. It's found in Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 30. And so will you stand with me all over the building as together you and I honor the word of the Lord. The apostles turned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure time, not even enough time to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread to give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. 
And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the bread and the fish. And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And I pray today that you will let this word of God come alive in our souls. Oh God, we want to learn more about Jesus today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will become our teacher. And I pray that we will leave here with an absolute assurance that you will meet all of our needs according to your riches in glory. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated and the Lord bless you. How many of you believe that Jesus still meets our needs today? Can I see your hand? Hold it up. You better believe he does. As a matter of fact, he wants all followers of Christ to recognize him as their source. God doesn't want you to look to the economy as your source. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look to the economy as your source, uh, I, I, I got a bad feeling about what's, <laughs> about what's in your future. He doesn't want us to look to a job place or a company or corporation as our source. He wants to be our source. And so here in this great miracle, they call it the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, but I want you to notice what it says here in Mark's account. It says there were about 5,000, what does it say? Men, about 5,000 men. Now, the reason it says that is because uh, most scholars tell us that this is a cultural issue that 2,000 years ago, whenever they did census or whatever they counted people, they didn't count the women, sorry ladies, and they didn't count the children. All they counted was the men. But I'm here to tell you we've gotten better in the last uh, 2,000 years. Today, ladies, we count you, all right? We count you and we count the children. And so here we know that there were around 5,000 men. So I think it would be safe to say that there were certainly over 10,000 people there on the shore of Galilee on the hillside when Jesus performed this miracle. Uh, at least 10,000, certainly more than 10,000 people would have been gathered there. And the thing that's significant about this miracle is it is the only one that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Not, not another miracle that Jesus did is recorded in all four of the Gospels. This is the only one. And how many miracles did Jesus do? Well, it's almost impossible to know, uh, but there are 37 of them recorded in the four Gospels. 37 miracles that Jesus performed that are recorded in the four Gospels. Are that all the miracles that Jesus performed? I don't think so, because when John finished up his writing, here's what he said in John 21, 25. He said, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's a lot of miracles. <laughs> That's a lot of good things that Jesus did while he was here on this earth. But we have 37 miracles that are recorded in the four gospels. And out of those 37, only one of them 
is recorded in all four gospels. Isn't that something? And that's this miracle here, the feeding or what we call the feeding of the 5,000. Now, why is this particular miracle significant? Well, it's because Jesus was trying to say something to all of his followers through this miracle. It wasn't just about feeding the people who were hungry. It was about that, and that's good. I mean, that alone would be significant. That alone would be good. And how many of you are glad that the Lord meets your needs according to his riches and glory? Amen. So, so that's a good thing. And I'm not belittling that or lessening that in any way, but there's a deeper message that Jesus wanted the people to get out of this miracle that he performed on the shores of Galilee 2000 years ago. And I will tell you, they didn't get it. And Jesus was very disappointed. And you read the account, and it, it says that. Jesus was disappointed that they didn't really get the, the, the deep meaning, the significant meaning. Oh, uh, they got the shallow part of it. They understood that Jesus could work miracles. They understood that he could miraculously uh, take the bread and break it and feed the hungry. But what Jesus wanted them to understand and what they didn't get was that Jesus himself was the bread of life. And he was to be broken so that they could be made whole. Not just that he could work a miracle, he is the bread of life. <laughs> he is the miracle. And that he would be broken so that we could be redeemed to our heavenly father. We could be reconciled to our heavenly father. That's what Jesus wanted them to get it, but they didn't get it. Uh, they understood that Jesus had power, but what he wanted them to understand was that he is the power of God Almighty. Not just that he had power, he is the power. But they didn't get it. Later they did, but here uh, they didn't get the message. And another thing, they understood that Jesus was from God, but they didn't understand that Jesus was God. <laughs> and that's what he was wanting to reveal here, that he's not just from God, he is God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so uh, they didn't really get it. But I'm happy to say later on they did. And by the way, how many of you get it today? How many of you know he doesn't just provide bread? He is the bread of life that was broken for us. Let me see your hand. How many of you know he doesn't just have power? He is the power of God. Can you say amen? How many of you know that Jesus Christ uh, is not just from God, but he is God come in the flesh? How many of you know that? So congratulations, you got it. You got it. But they didn't get it, <laughs> at least not here. Later on they did. And Jesus was disappointed about that. And so he wanted them to see deeper than just he will meet your needs. Uh, again, I'm not lessening that because if you're here today and you have a need, financial need, physical need, whatever it is, I want this part of the message to be real to your heart. He does meet our needs. He is our healer. <laughs> uh, he is our source. And that's my testimony that he meets our needs. But I think there's something deeper. Now, I will tell you that I don't know how many times I've preached on this particular miracle, 
uh, what they call the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know how to, anyway, I know how to number it. I certainly don't know how many times I've read this account in the Bible. Uh, a lot. But you want to know an interesting thing? Uh, and I think you probably find this true in your Bible study. Every time I read something in the New Testament, uh, Old Testament too, for that matter, but especially in the New Testament, something about the life of Jesus, like here, this miracle, every time I read it, no matter how many times I've preached on it, no matter how many times I've read it before, there is always, say always, there is always something that I see that I didn't see the other times, always. And it's amazing to me. <laughs> like this past week, I saw three things that I've never seen before. And I was reading it as I was preparing for this message. And I remember thinking, Lord, how did I miss that? The other, all those other times, how did I miss that? You know, that's what makes the Bible a miracle book because it is, uh, I, I've often said it's like an eternal onion. Every time you peel off a layer, there's another layer underneath and you never get to the end of it. No matter how many times you've read this story, there's always something fresh and always something new. And there was something fresh and new in there for me this week and I wanna show it to you. Here's the first thing, are you ready? The first thing that I saw was that uh, Jesus is trying to say to his disciples and he's trying to say to us, by the way, how many of you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can I see your hand? Hold it up. All right, so he, this is, was his message to his followers then, to his disciples, but it's also his message to us today, for we too are his disciples. And here's what he wanted them to get and what he wants us to get, that if, if, if he is going to be our source, if we're gonna have our needs met, if we're gonna have fulfillment in our relationship with him, it's going to take a change of perspective. A change of perspective. And that's what I saw this time in this story, and I want to point it out to you. First of all, notice that Jesus is having this conversation. Now, uh, whenever you have a story like this that's in multiple accounts, like this is the only one that's in all four Gospels, so to get the whole story, you have to read all four accounts. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, like Matthew will mention something that uh, Mark left out, uh, you know, or John will mention something that didn't seem relevant, you know, to Luke to put into his account or whatever. And so you read them all and you get the whole story. And in another account, we know that the person Jesus is talking to here in this discourse was Philip, all right? Philip is the one that Jesus is talking to. And I wanna show you something. Everybody look at verse 36 in your text today. And Jesus is talking to him. Verse 36, uh, Philip says, okay, these people are hungry. So he says, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Now this was Philip. And I hope I don't get in trouble when I get to heaven because he may approach me on this. But Philip, I think you're being a little smart alecky here when you're talking to Jesus. 
uh, he, he was being a little sarcastic with our Lord, all right? And before we get down too much on him, I've been guilty of the same thing, all right? But uh, here Philip says, oh, 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 I see, Lord. We'll just take 200 denarii. In other words, we don't have near that much money. Now, I don't know how much money exactly that is. I've read some things. It's, it's quite, a, quite a lot more than your house cost. Uh, quite a lot of money. But uh, it's according to who you read, so I don't, I don't like to focus on that. You, hear, you read different things. But here's the thing I know. If it's going to fill 10,000 people until they're full, that's a lot of denarii. <laughs> that's a lot of bread. That's a lot of fish. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken other people out to eat and paid the check. I don't know if you've ever done that before. But it doesn't take many people to get up a pretty significant amount of money that you're putting out on one meal. As a matter of fact, Karen and I, one time, uh, this is in a galaxy far, far away. This, this was at, a, at another church, another place. Uh, we decided we were going to take two people from our church out to lunch after church. And we were pastoring in a real small town. And uh, so we go to this place, and it's one of my favorite places to go. And uh, we got there with them. And so when the waitress came, I wanted to be kind and I wanted to be generous. Uh, and I said to the, to the uh, server, I said, uh, one check and give it to me. That's what I said to the server. One check and give it to me. And I, I didn't even think more about it. But here in a few minutes came a little group of people from our church into the restaurant. And before I knew what had happened, my wife was saying, well, let's get another table and put it together. And, and so we got another table and we put it together and they all got around. And here in a few minutes came another little group from our church and they saw us all over there and said, hey, there's the pastor. And Karen, as is in her nature, jumps up and said, hey, hey, let's put another table together. And so we had another table. And before it was over, I don't remember exactly how many people, 20, 25 people gathered around that table. And we had a great time. It was wonderful, but I forgot one very important thing. I had told the server, one check, give it to me. Well, when I said that, there was exactly four of us. <laughs> now there wasn't four of us anymore. And I looked down at that check when they laid it down there, and I literally could hear my heart beating. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know you could spend that much at a restaurant. And I reached down and grabbed my little, poor, little, overused credit card. <laughs> and I was whispering a prayer, oh, Lord, I pray that there's enough on this to cover this, this bill. <laughs> Please don't let me get embarrassed here in front of all these people. But I guess my point is, when you're feeding a lot of people, anybody in here ever paid for a wedding meal? You just did the other day. I don't even want to know that. I went to your daughter's wedding and they had mahi-mahi and they had prime rib and they had all, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't even want to know what that sets you back. <laughs> but uh, it can get up there quick. Is there anybody here that's ever fed 10,000 people? No hands. Crickets. <laughs> That's a lot of people. That's a lot of money. 
Philip says, oh, so you want us to just take our 200 denarii and just go and buy bread for 10,000 people. And here's the problem. Philip was focused on what they didn't have. Let me say that again. Philip was focused on what they did not have. But I want you to notice what Jesus said in verse 38. Look at verse 38. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Philip says, we don't have enough food. But Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? You see the difference of perspective? Philip was focused on what they didn't have. Jesus was focused on what they did have. Let me say that again. Philip was focused on what they didn't have. Jesus was focused on what they did have. And that's the change of perspective. And what God wants us to do is to not be bellyaching about what he hasn't done yet and spend our time giving him thanks for what he's already done in our lives and not be complaining about what we don't have yet, but be grateful to him for what we do have already. There's an old song that we used to sing uh, in this church. Uh, you, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It goes something like this. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Can you say amen? I love that old song. <laughs> Instead of bellyaching about what we don't have, that's what Philip was doing, uh, let's give God praise for what we do have. Everybody in this room that's eaten in the last 24 hours, wave at me like this right here. Everybody in this room that slept in the dry last night, wave at me like this right here. Everybody in this room that's not in the hospital or the jail, but you're in church today, wave at me like this right here. I think we ought to stop right now and give God praise for what he has done. Give him praise this morning. So the first step to having our needs met by the Lord is a change of perspective. This morning on the way to church, I was focusing on my message, and I knew what I was preaching on, of course, and, and I was thinking about all these things, and so I decided that all the way to church this morning, I was going to exercise this principle. And it takes me, I live about 20 minutes from the church. So uh, on an average day, it takes about 20 minutes from, from my uh, doorstep to the church. Sometimes on Sunday mornings when there's no traffic, I, I can beat that time, you know. But average, about 20 minutes it takes me. And so this morning, I decided that all the way to church, I was going to spend my time not asking God for anything that he hasn't done yet, or focusing on what I don't have, 
but I'm going to focus on what I do have and I'm going to give God thanks all the way here for things he's already done. And I started as soon as I got in the car. And can I tell you, by the time I got out of the car at this church house this morning, I still had a long list of things that I could not, I didn't have time to mention. As a matter of fact, I believe that if you can mention everything that God has done for you, you'll never have time to complain about what he hasn't done for you yet. That's what I believe. And so the secret to having your needs met by the Lord is a change of perspective. He was trying to show Philip this. And I think he's trying to show us this. Philip said, here's what we don't have. Jesus said, then here's what we do have. What do we have? Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves and two fish. And so if we're going to... If we're going to, and by the way, what did Jesus do with the five loaves and two fish? He lifted it up and he blessed it. He, th he gave thanks for what they did have. I said he gave thanks for what they did have instead of focusing on what they didn't have. So we got to have a change of perspective. Here's the second thing the Lord showed me this week. God will bless what we're willing to give. Let me say that again. God will bless what we're willing to give. Now, I said this earlier, and I was borrowing it from this message, but I said earlier, there are no promises in the Word of God that God will bless stingy people. Nowhere. Can't find it. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that God will bless people who are not generous. Nowhere in the Bible. But the Bible does promise blessing and favor for people who are generous, for people who give, for people who invest, for people who sow, for people who uh, uh, go beyond themselves. And it's not us, uh, us for no more, but they help other people and they invest in the kingdom of God. The Bible's full of promises of blessing and favor to people who are generous and people who give. And so here, Jesus wanted them to see and he wants us to see that God will bless what we're willing to give. Now, I want to show you something, and I'm going to go extra scriptural for a moment. I don't do this much. Uh, I like to stay right in the borders of the Bible all the time. But like John said, there are many more things Jesus did than are listed in the Bible, all right? So I'm not going to go unscriptural on you, <laughs> but I'm going to go extra scriptural on you, just outside of what's in the record, all right? Because, and, and by the way, I didn't come up with this. Many scholars feel this way. I read it. I didn't come up with it. Uh, but uh, most scholars that you read will agree that if you have 10,000 people, at least, all right, probably more than that, okay? If you have at least 10,000 people together, there's going to be more food represented there than just five loaves and two fishes. I can't get my mind around that there was only one mother who loved her son enough to pack him a little lunch when he was going out to hear the rabbi teach on the hillside out by, I, you know, I, I mean, my wife's a mother, all right? And I know, and, and, and I, I know, I always know that if I'm with my children or if I'm with my grandchildren and I get hungry, all I have to do is say, Karen, what do we have to eat? I know that. 
because I know that she's going to have something for the kids. <laughs> and if it's just me and her, I'm hard out of luck, all right? But if, if, there, if one of our kids are there, and John has even got it nailed down to what she will have to eat based on what child is there. And he's nailed it many times. And the other day he came in and my wife had fixed one of her favorite things, uh, five cheese uh, dip, and it was sitting on the thing. And John uh, said, Dad, I may pass out. He said, what's wrong? Mom fixed the five cheese dip and Josh is not here. <laughs> she only fixes that when Josh is here. <laughs> So she's got it nailed down. But listen, I know if I get hungry and one of my kids are on the trip, I just turn to care. There's, she's got some food, all right? That's who she is. That's who moms are. That's who grandmas are. I'm unwilling to believe that with 10,000 people out there on the hillside, uh, they've been going out all day to hear the rabbi preach, that all they could come up with was five loaves and two fish. Somebody had some more food out there, okay? <laughs> but there was only one boy who was willing to give it because that's not our nature. When you get hungry, here's the first thing you think. What can I, what can I get me to eat? That's human nature, right? I'm hungry. What can I get me to eat? Very few people think this way. I'm hungry. What can I get you to eat? <laughs> That, that's not human nature. That doesn't come natural. I'm hungry, so let me get you something to eat. That, most people don't think that way. So here you've got 10,000 people. I'm unwilling to believe that there was, out of 10,000 people, the only food out there were five loaves and two fish. So there was some more food somewhere, but only that boy, and it was a little boy, it doesn't say it in this account, but in one of the other accounts, said there was a little boy who had a lunch. And in his lunch, he had five loaves and two fish. And so when they came to Jesus, what did they say? They said, we have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus looked at it and he said, that'll be enough. That'll be enough. God will bless what you are willing to give. What if that little boy had not been willing to give his lunch that day? What if they were going around saying, anybody got any food around here? Anybody got any food? I can just almost see people sliding it behind them, stuffing it down in their, in their turning, <laughs> you know, but not the little, I mean, he could have done that. He could have looked at his little lunch and just put it right behind him, but he didn't do that. He said, I've got some food. I've got five loaves and two fish, and you're welcome to it. God will bless what you're willing to give. But if you're unwilling to give, there will be no blessing. I don't know how the story would have read. Probably it wouldn't even have been recorded in any of the Gospels. But this little boy was willing to give what he had. And guess what? It was enough. Can you say amen? As a matter of fact, that's the third thing I want to tell you, and then I'll be done for today. The Lord showed me this. The Bible says he will meet all of your needs according 
to his riches in glory. We believe that. God's proven that in your life. He's proven it in my life. And uh, we testified a while ago about that. But I saw something this time that jumped out at me. And here's the third thing I think Jesus wanted them to get and what he wants us to get. If we will change our perspective and focus on what we have and not what we don't have, and if we will be willing to give because God blesses what we're willing to give, if we'll do those two things, there will always be more. Say more. There will always be more than enough. Not just enough. Not just, I'll meet your needs, according to Marissa. There will always be more than enough. Everybody look in your text and look at verse 44. Look down there, verse 44. And they all, say all. And they all, over 10,000 people. Okay, that's a lot of people. How many of you glad you didn't have the check that day? All right, that's a lot of people. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. In other words, they ate until they were full. They ate until they were satisfied. Some, Karen's trying to teach me now since COVID. She's saying, uh, Randy, I know it's delicious, but when you, feel, when you feel comfortable, when you feel satisfied, stop. I don't want to stop. There's another rib down there on the plates. A delicious rib right there. But she's saying, and so now when we go to the restaurant, many times, Karen and I, most of the time, really, we will share a meal because... If she eats half and I eat half, you know, we don't leave their stuffed, you know, but, but we're satisfied, right? It's enough. And so they all were satisfied. In other words, there was enough for everybody to eat. It wasn't just that they went around and gave everybody a little crumb, you know, everybody a little piece of fish. So, so the, the five loaves and two fish, no, they all ate and they all ate till they were satisfied. But then look what it says next in verse 44. And then they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the bread and fish. So out of that boy's five loaves and two fish that he was willing to give, they, everybody ate and everybody got full. And then they were able to take up 12 baskets full of leftovers of bread and fish. Now that's a lot of bread and fish. 12 basketfuls is a lot of fish. Here on December the 5th, we're gonna have an old fashioned fish fry here at the church. And there's nobody in here is gonna be able to eat 12 basketfuls of fish that day. It's all you can eat, but you're not gonna be able to eat that many. And so they had an abundance left over. So if you do those two things, change your perspective, all right? Number two, be willing to give, then God will not only meet your needs, he'll meet more than your needs. You will have more than enough, more than what satisfies you, more. And what will we do with the more? We'll give it to somebody else. <laughs> we'll bless somebody else. We'll build the kingdom of God. We'll do what the little boy did. We'll share it with others. Now, in all four accounts of the scripture here, it does not tell John, as far as I can find, what they did with the 12 basketfuls that were left over, okay? Now, knowing Jesus, I know they didn't throw it away, all right? I mean, they didn't waste it, I know that, okay? 
That doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? Uh, that doesn't sound like something he would do. Just, just throw it over in the woods. No. They, had tw- they took the time to gather up the leftovers. They took the time to count them. There were 12 baskets full. That's another reason, by the way, why I know that there were more food out there because they came up with 12 baskets. <laughs> but anyway. And so, what happened to those 12 baskets full? I don't know. I've heard it preached that each one of the, the, the followers, each one of the disciples, got one to take home. That, that may be what happened. I don't know that. But I do know the Lord, and I, I've studied His Word, and I am acquainted with His nature. Would you like to hear what I think they did with those 12 basketfuls? I think he said, Peter, James, John, Thaddeus, all you men, pick up a basket and follow that boy home with it. And all the leftovers go to that little boy's mother. All the leftovers go to this family because he was the only one that was willing to give. That's what I think they did with the 12. Now, I can't prove that. It's not written in the Bible anywhere. But doesn't that sound just like Jesus? (laughs) Doesn't that sound just like the Lord to bless those who give? Wasn't it Jesus that said, Give, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap, and with the same measure that you use to give, it'll be given back to you. That sounds just like him, doesn't it? So what are you trying to say today, Pastor? Here's my message to you today. Jesus wants us to get something out of this. And the big picture you've already got. You already know that he's the bread of life and he was broken for our sins. You know that. You already know that he didn't just have power. He is the power of God. You know that. You already know that he wasn't just from God. He was God. You know that. But today, I think the Lord wants us to know that if we're going to be blessed and walk in his favor, we've got to change our perspective. Today might be a good day to ask God to forgive us for times when we've complained about what we didn't have yet instead of giving him praise for what we have already. And times when we've focused on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. Today might be a good day to ask God to forgive us for that. And number two, God will bless those who's willing to give. And number three, if you do those two things, there will always be more than enough. Can you say amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word. Lord, I've preached what you've laid upon my heart today. I trust it was for someone. I know it was for me. And I pray that you will help us Help us, Lord, to change our perspective. Forgive us, Lord, for times when we focused on what we didn't have instead of focusing on what we do have. Forgive us for times that we've complained about what you haven't done yet instead of giving you thanks for what you have done already. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be willing to sacrifice to give 
like that little boy 2,000 years ago, willing to sacrifice his lunch so that a miracle could take place. Help us. And then, Lord, I pray that you will become our source and that in our life, there will always be more than enough. Congregation, would you stand with me? Everyone standing in the name of the Lord. I want all of my prayer counselors to come as quickly as you can. Come with your spouse and stand across the front of this building and prepare to serve this congregation today. We're going to end this service with a great altar call. And if you want prayer or need prayer, it'll be our joy to pray with you or pray for you. If you need healing in your body, be happy to anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And I believe that somebody's going to walk out of here. I preached on miracles today. I believe somebody's going to walk out of here with a miracle this morning. But before we leave today and before we come to the altar, would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online. And you say, Pastor, I've listened to your sermon on the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, but what I really need today is forgiveness of my sin. There's sin in my life. And I know, I know that I'm not right with God. Friend, if that's you, I've got some wonderful news for you. God loves you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. You say, but I'm a sinner. I know that. And God knows that. And he loves you anyway. And what he's offering you today is forgiveness of your sin and a brand new start in life. And if you will only ask him, he'll forgive you today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, preacher, I need forgiveness today. Just whisper a prayer to the Lord. Come on, just, just, it doesn't really matter what you say. He's tuned into your heart. But just say something like, Jesus, I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you were raised from the dead. And right now, I just ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. I want to be your follower. And today, I just surrender my life to you. I just, I just give myself to you. Just whisper that to the Lord right now. He's listening. He's tuned into your heart. And now in faith, say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it in faith. Thank you for your forgiveness today. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name forever. Before we close this great service today, I'd like to speak a blessing over you and over your precious family. These are the words that God gave to Moses to give to Aaron to speak over the children of Israel. That if they would only have faith to receive it, God would bless them. And this morning, I want to speak these same words over you and over your family. So if you'd like to express your faith to God, lift both hands up over your head while I speak these words over you and over your family today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord place his name upon you. The Lord bless your life. If you receive that in faith, clap your hands and give God praise in the name of the Lord. Praise God.